Have you heard the saying, familiarity breeds contempt? We can be so familiar with the story that it can grow ho-hum to us. We can become contemptuous towards the story and doubt-filled. Ruth Graham Bell said that that was, is basically America's posture towards the gospel in some respects, having heard it so many times that we're somewhat numb to it. The story of Christmas is a beautiful story of God breaking into history, but because of the familiarity we have with the story, it can be hard for the, the beauty of it and the power of it to reach our minds, our hearts, and to have the effect that, that God would have it, have it on us through that story. It can be hard to believe that God entered the world as a baby. Mary herself questioned, how's this going to happen? She said to Gabriel, but I'm a virgin. She had some questions about, about it, perhaps even some doubts. Gabriel explained that the Holy Spirit would cause the conception. The Spirit would come upon her. He said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Predictably, when Joseph first heard the story, he didn't believe it as well. His initial response was to divorce Mary quietly. Not to cause a ruckus, not to, to stir things up, but just to put her aside as his fiancée, not go through with the wedding. This was his plan until he heard himself from an angel who confirmed that it was, in fact, the Holy Spirit who had caused her conception, the conception of the child. And to a certain extent, we're each in Joseph's shoes. We're tasks, or we have to wrestle with whether or not we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, that as a virgin, she actually conceived, and the child inside her was from God. In fact, God himself. And I realize we don't have the luxury of hearing from an angel, as Joseph did, but we do have the testimony of Scripture. Matthew and Luke give very detailed accounts of God's work in Mary's life and she being a virgin. And then John records in his gospel Jesus' own testimony. Did you ever think, did it ever occur to us, Jesus believed the story? Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That means that Jesus believed that he was God's son, is God's son. Jesus believed that Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and that he was conceived as a work of God the Father through God the Spirit. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he said. In other words, I and the Father are one. I'm the product of the Holy Spirit's work through Mary. The question is why? Why did God choose to come as a baby? Why would God endure nine months of growth in Mary's womb? The trauma of delivery, why would God go through that? Not to mention infancy and childhood. We have lots of elementary age children here this evening. How about the teenage years? Jesus endured the teenage years. Why? What does that offer? What does the What's the value added to redemptive history of God being born as a baby and growing up into adulthood? Surely there was another way to accomplish the work of redemption. Listen again to Gabriel's message to Mary. It's on the screen this time. His words to her, I think, give us some indication of the value added. Greetings, you who are 
highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting might this be? What, what's the angel saying exactly? But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. She was troubled. Don't be afraid. And then he says it again. You have found favor with God. Do we feel favored by God this evening? Gabriel greets Mary with an announcement that she's highly favored. I assume he meant it to encourage her. It, she, it actually troubled her. Maybe it was the appearance of an angel that troubled her. Maybe it was the content of the message that troubled her. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But she's troubled, so he says it again. Don't be afraid. You who are favored. What might that mean? Here's my best estimate of what it meant for Mary to be favored. God's favor means one is being pursued by and showered with God's grace. Surrounded in God's love and care. Marked for receiving God's blessings. Mary was being pursued by, showered with God's grace, surrounded by God's love and care, marked for receiving God's blessings. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Who wouldn't want that? Do we feel favored this evening? And as you mull over your answer to that question, let me encourage us to remember Mary's life accurately. Don't romanticize her experience. We look back upon history we consider Jesus' birth, and we have a tendency to look back nostalgically upon the conception and the delivery of Jesus. Remember that the one who was favored by God was most likely illiterate. A teenage girl growing up in an impoverished family on the outskirts of nowhere. Her family most likely lived a subsistence existence. Her village occupied by foreign soldiers who brutalized and oppressed her people. Too often we picture Mary's life, her experience, as if she floated about six, in six inches off the ground and unscathed by the things that we face in life. Well, that was not the case. The reality was she had no pedigree, no resume, no possibility for upward mobility, no social standing, no political power from an earthly perspective she was weak marginalized she was insignificant from a worldly perspective but she was favored by God just as we are favored by God and not to say that she wasn't special there's only one Mary in redemptive history but much like Mary it doesn't matter where we are from or what we have done or what we have failed to do the favor of God is the message of Christmas. It doesn't matter if we have social position or political power. We can be poor, we can be marginalized, we can be lacking purpose in life. We can be without pedigree, influence. If Christmas is about anything, it's about the favor of God, certainly shown towards Mary, but because of the favor shown towards Mary, his favor is poured out on all who will believe in his Son. Even the shepherds were favored, no small matter. Shepherds were at the bottom of the socioeconomic, the political ladder. They were looked down upon by all others in society. There was condescension when, when the vocation of shepherd was mentioned. No one would have thought highly of shepherds. There was disdain towards shepherds, culturally. When the Israelites were in Egypt, 
The Egyptians wanted nothing to do with the Israelites, in part because they were shepherds. But it was shepherds who heard the angelic announcement. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts, this is in the same Gospel of Luke, just one chapter later, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What's the purpose of the virgin birth? Why did God choose to come as a baby? Why would God endure nine months of gestation in Mary's womb, the trauma of delivery, infancy, childhood, the teenage years? The miracle of the virgin birth is the favor of God shown towards humanity. God took on flesh. He entered our reality. I think of the events at Oak Brook just last night. I was, we were here uh, doing the Eve Eve service on the 23rd. When at Oak Brook Mall, evil was happening, arguably. God entered our world. God took on flesh, dwelt among us. That is the, the beauty and the brilliance of a story that's all too familiar to us. Don't let it find contempt or cause contempt or provoke contempt in our heart. It's no small matter that the one perfect in character entered our world. Look at Jesus' own description of the reason that he was born and his, his mission. Again, same gospel, the gospel of Luke, just two chapters later. Now we've heard from chapter 1, chapter 2, this is chapter 4. Jesus is explaining himself and his mission. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's almost as if Luke is trying to send us a message. That's what Luke's trying to do. He's trying to paint a picture of what it means that God broke into the world. God took on flesh. We live in the year of the Lord's favor. We live in a time when God's pursuing, showering humanity with his gracious forgiveness through faith in Christ, the one born to Mary. He's surrounding us in his love. He's caring for us through his presence. All those who are trusting in Christ are marked for blessings from God. Even if your life is difficult, remember, don't, don't sugarcoat, don't look back nostalgically with rose-colored glasses on Mary's life. It was a difficult life. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. He said, because I've overcome the world. There ends the gospel. He's done what we couldn't do. He's done it for us by taking on human flesh. And make sure you understand that this is not generally the year of the Lord's favor. We are each individually, each specifically, highly favored, much like Mary. In fact, Paul picks up this theme and the book of Ephesians, he's now writing, when he writes his, the letter to the Ephesians, he's writing 30 to 40 years after Christ ascended, and he's trying to 
communicate the lavish grace of God, the favor of God shown towards all who will trust in Christ. God's eager to pour out his love on us. Let me read this for us. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In his sight, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. He predestined us to come into his family in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given. Freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us. I want to note two words in Paul's, this little excerpt from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, freely given. The phrase in, the, in that passage translated as freely given is the same translated in Luke's gospel as highly favored. Greek words have a semantic range. They have a range of meaning. And so when you translate them into English, depending on the context, you can select words that capture the meaning. So what Paul says is freely given, lavishly shown. Luke says, right, is highly favored. God's highly favored us. He's freely given to us. He's lavished his grace upon us. God's actively pursuing us with his love He's marking us for blessings through faith in Christ. Yes, there's only one Mary. Her role in redemptive history is unique. But everyone who will receive the son born to her is highly favored. Much like Mary, God's favor is showered upon us despite social standing. Despite righteousness. Despite unrighteousness. Whether you're highly moral or highly immoral, Christ came for you. We've done nothing and can do nothing to merit this favor. That's the message of Christmas. And if it sounds too good to be true, then you're beginning to understand the grace of God. You're beginning to understand the lavish nature of what he's done for us. He he loves me despite myself. He loves me just as I am. You know, Mary was surprised she was highly favored. She wasn't expecting this visit. We should equally be surprised. We should have a a sense of, how can this be? That was her question. How can it be that God loves me in this way? That God came and pursued me thousands of years before I was born, speaking to a 21st century audience. Thousands of years before we were born, Christ was born. Grew up, gave his life as a sacrifice for sin. So if it's washing over you, like it is me for, you know, maybe the 50th, right? Christmas, 53rd Christmas, right? It should take us aback to hear of God's goodness. But if it's resonating with you for the first time, I want to encourage you to speak to your creator. I want to encourage you to say, God, I, I want your favor through faith in Christ. Don't let the moment pass. To say you want to know God's favor through faith in Christ is simply to admit your need for God's favor. The need for God's favor is created by our sinfulness. And so if you're eager to admit your need for God's favor, he will lavish his love upon you. And you can do that right where you're seated this evening. 
If you talk to your creator, I like to say, talk to him like you would talk to your mother or your father or your friend. Say, God, I want to know your favor. If your word's true, God, if what Luke wrote and what Paul wrote is true, God, I want some of that. And the testimony of Scripture is that he'll come in and give you that favor. And he'll lead you through life. Let me pray for us toward that end. Father, I want to ask for your grace and goodness to us that familiarity would not breed contempt, but you would break in and break through and that we'd increasingly understand your goodness towards us in Christ. And we'd not hold you at arm's length, but we'd, open, we'd be opened to you. We ask that your spirit would do a work that we cannot do Give us minds to understand and hearts to believe and wills to follow after and trust in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.